It's from Luke chapter 1, verses 39 to 55. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. And Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he took notice of a lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he made his promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his children forever. You may be seated. As our passage opens, Mary had just received from the angel Gabriel the most astonishing, unimaginable, incomprehensible announcement that any human would ever receive. Incredibly, his message to her was that she was going to be the mother of the Messiah, the Son of God incarnate, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Mary responded in this humble, obedient, submissive faith, trusting God that all these things would literally work out. Mary thought about Gabriel's message for days. She sat there. Well, she didn't go out with her girlfriends very much over those last few days. Her joy about this upcoming marriage kind of faded with these words. And she wondered. She wondered what Joseph would say. She wondered how she was even going to tell her parents. She wondered, is this really going to happen? She had more questions than she had answers at that moment. And the scriptures really don't tell us at all about whether she talked to anybody, whether she let anybody else know. But now we come to verse 39. If you would, you could open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. Open up your flat screens if you're newer again to this whole Bible thing. Luke is near the end of the Bible. 
You can look in your table of contacts, the contents, and find out uh, where Luke is and uh, turn to the first chapter. We're going to look at verse 39, but before we do that, let's pray. Lord, I just ask that you again would be so abundantly clear to each one of us. This is an amazing story. An amazing love story from an amazing God. And yet, God, this is hard to understand. Your ways are not our ways, and Mary was such a young girl. And yet she listened to you, and she desired deeply to to respond to you. And now, Father, she's kind of working out the details Lord, there is an amazing response by Mary. We ask God that you would teach us from Mary's story today. That you would ignite us, that you would give us the opportunity, Father, to even trust you in many ways like Mary is trusted and respond like Mary's responded. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. You know, there's, Mary has a long story, but there's three pages The way that I'm going to look at it today, three pages in Mary's story that we're going to focus on. The first page starts at verse 39. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. You know, it was probably a three to four day trip to Jerusalem. Zechariah and Elizabeth probably lived in the hills of Jerusalem, so right in that, in that area. And the scriptures tell us this, that after a few days, don't know the reason, she hustled, she went to Elizabeth. Now, a girl of 14 years old, um, even though the culture is quite different, that's not something that automatically happens. I'm pretty sure she went with a caravan. I'm pretty sure her folks just wouldn't let her just take off and, and head out that direction. But she was focused. It's been about a week by the time she got to Elizabeth's doorstep. And about that time, she's had a week of thinking, of pondering, of wondering, whoa, what does this whole thing mean to me? My guess is even Mary went uh, to see Elizabeth for a safe place, but probably even for a time of confirmation. Remember at the very end when Gabriel was talking, he, he gave Mary a sign, a sign that was absolutely unbelievable to her. There was in any way her 88-year-old relative was going to give birth to anybody. And Gabriel just kind of put that in. He just said, hey, by the way, not only are you going to have this amazing, miraculous birth conceived by the Holy Spirit, but, well, Elizabeth. She is so far past childbearing stage. I'm going to show you that, that this um, having children in most unusual ways is not a big deal to me. And so I'm going to, well, let you know, Elizabeth is going to have a son. So Mary went, and Mary saw And as she approached that house, I'm wondering again the questions that were going through her mind. 
is Elizabeth really going to be pregnant? What is she going to look like? How is this even going to happen? Well, let's look. Starting in verse 40, we're going to read down to verse 45. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why, I am so honored that the mother of my Lord, that our Messiah, should visit me. When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. You know, Mary entered Elizabeth's home. The greeting here, and again, it's that the culture is so very different, but, but a greeting isn't, hey, E, how you doing? Just thought I'd stop by. I was in the area, and let's just move forward. Hey, do you have any coffee on? I'm not going to stay long, but just thought I'd kind of see how you're doing. The greeting back then really was kind of like, you know, everything was longer. If you take a a two to three or four day trip, you're not actually just going to kind of stop in, say hey, and move on. So realistically, everybody knew what hospitality was. There weren't a lot of hotels at that time. And Mary had come to spend some time with Elizabeth. So I'm sure they, they had this kind of extended social event, which was very normal. They begin to chat and they begin to eat because you always eat when you chat, all right? And so they're sitting down and, and my guess is they started talking about babies and they started talking about a wedding and they were just kind of, but it was just a little odd, a 14-year-old and an 88-year-old. I mean, normally the conversation might be around these topics, but Usually not your own babies born miraculously that, whoa, this is way out of my comfort zone. But they started talking. And Elizabeth was about six months pregnant this time, perhaps, probably showing. And she was talking about, wow, you know, Mary, this isn't really what I thought. (laughs) I've been wanting a baby for a long time, but whoa, I can hardly move. I can't hardly get out of bed in the morning. You know, the chores I used to do. (laughs) Oh, boy. You know, Mary, that's why you have a baby when you're young. You know? And and then Mary was kind of talking, saying, I I know, Elizabeth, and and I'm I'm seeing that you're having a baby, but this whole baby thing is really out of my realm right now. I'm not understanding this. I know I'm young, but this is a little awkward. Well, the one thing is for sure that when Mary greeted Elizabeth, the scripture says that, well, John the baptizer jumped inside her womb. And then the scriptures tell us that Elizabeth is filled with the Spirit. You would assume that. And again, I think we probably need to spend a little bit more time on this, probably not today, but in the future. But Being controlled by the Spirit, or walking with the Spirit, or being in fellowship with God. I I think sometimes we make it a little more difficult than it ought to be, or a little bit more charismatic, or a little bit more sensational, whatever you'd like to call it. But the truth is, is that when any one of God's kids has confessed their sin, 
the Holy Spirit has control over their life. You know, when you came to faith, you are a brand new creation. And at that time, the Holy Spirit indwells each one of you. But to be controlled or to be able to listen or be able to understand what the Holy Spirit is prompting you or leading you or directing you, you need to be in fellowship with our God. Before, well, Jesus left and one of his promises was, you know, at the end of John, he says, hey, when I leave, I'm going to send the advocate. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And this Holy Spirit is going to be better than if I were with you. And that's kind of hard to understand, and, and we won't go there today. But at this moment, the Scripture said very clearly, hey, Elizabeth, you are filled with the Spirit. You see, before that time when the Spirit was available to every child of God, the Spirit came upon certain people at certain places, for certain times, for certain jobs. And it was clear that Elizabeth was Spirit-led, Spirit-controlled, listening to the Spirit at this time. The Scriptures tell us that, that Elizabeth gives a glad cry and exclaimed. A glad cry really is a term associated mostly with speaking divine wisdom. It's all the way through the Scriptures. But because she was filled, this wasn't just a casual comment. This was basically an oracle from God. And if you combine that with exclaimed, exclaimed is really a shout which emphasizes content and authority. So Elizabeth wasn't just being a kind, you know, elderly, almost new mom. She was actually speaking words from God. And she said this, God has blessed you above all women, Mary. Now actually, it's a little odd to receive a blessing early. Because in the Hebrew culture, a woman's stature is based on her kids. Now I know, this is so far from our reality, I get it. Okay, Otherwise, you, some of you ladies would be like really in trouble right now. Okay, I'm just letting you know. All right, and if and you'd probably parent way differently because your kids have to be so very, very, very successful. Uh, you know what? Today there's a little bit of grace, and we can just love our kids and yeah, pray them, pray them through. But but back then, that's why it was so hard when women had no children. Their worth was really dependent on their kids. And so realistically, this wasn't unusual. It just was a little bit premature if you want to look at it. But, but Mary's significance is based on Jesus. Blessed above all women, because she will give birth to the greatest child of all women. Now here's where it gets a little bit interesting. Uh, Elizabeth's humble response. She is so grateful again to be in the younger Mary's presence. So odd. Remember, age was honored in this culture. There's a few left like that, but, but our American culture, um, again, age is not something that we applaud. We look at the youthful. We look at, at the strong. And, and those are our heroes, so, actually, Mary would have respected Elizabeth a whole lot, but, but the roles were switched around. 
Elizabeth was this humble, older lady and said, I am just so grateful. I can't believe that God's allowing the mother of my Lord, the Messiah, the Son of God. She is going to spend like a time here. This is so very, very cool. But then at the very end of our, our scripture we just got through reading, she said this, you are also blessed because you believed, you trusted in God's words. Here's a bonus. This is a double whammy. This is like a big exclamation mark, all right? Not only are you going to be the mom of the Messiah, that is cool in itself, but I want you to know, you're going to be blessed because you listened. And to a little 14-year-old girl at this moment, I got to believe, scared out of whatever she's scared out of. But wondering, having all these questions, and saying, you know, it's pretty cool. You're going to be the mom of the Messiah. But I also want you to know, it is amazing that you trusted God in this whole thing. So you are going to be literally double blessed. You see, faith actually is a big deal in Luke's gospel all the way through it. And that anyone who has this powerful faith has a tendency to have some powerful worship. You see, powerful faith leads to powerful worship. You know, the next phase in in Mary's little life and in her story, she shifts to a hymn of worship. Please remember, this is a 14-year-old girl that really doesn't have any scripture available to her. The only thing she has learned is Well, learned from the synagogue where she has spent time with the other children of her little village listening to the scriptures. Her home did not have a Bible. I'm pretty sure at least everyone here has one Bible at their home. Maybe 10, maybe 20. You all the internet. You can look at any version you want. I mean, it is so available everywhere. This 14-year-old, what she is going to exclaim, her understanding of who God is, her perception of this amazing Father comes from her memorizing and learning up to this time probably in the synagogue. That's what makes this so amazing. Her next kind of praise of worship is saturated with 15 quotes from the Old Testament. Specific quotes. We're going to be going over some of those. There's eight praises. But she took Israel's promises literally. She was well versed in Israel's history and understood the covenants. Now again, we don't want to throw any stones or put anybody under the bus, but, but take a 14-year-old. And after we're done, kind of put this through the filter and say, whoa, on the way home, <laughs> I've got a 14-year-old. I'm going to ask her a few questions, or him, you know. Hey, can you tell me a little bit about the Abrahamic covenant? Well, what, what, Dad? Whoa, we, we, what, what covenant? Abraham, whoa, what's going on here? 
And you could go through, hey, why don't you tell me, what are some, you know, and of course, you know, that isn't the object. But, but put this in perspective. She worshipped. She literally poured her heart out, a 14-year-old. She didn't just come to church. She was overwhelmed with who God was. Her words were an overflow of her heart, saturated with God's Word. Much that came out was just repetitive in the Old Testament. Her praise was an expression of faith and love and a deep understanding of the Old Testament and a deep relationship with God, her Father. Worship is something we grow in. It flows out of a relationship. See, sometimes we mistakenly think that worship is just singing. Or that worship is, and we just kind of put it in a little bit of a box. You know what? When you and I have a relationship with our God, you worship oftentimes through the day. Sometimes there might be a principle that God brings to you and just say, oh, thank you, God. Or there's an area, again, that, that maybe you break out into song. Or, or maybe it's sometime you worship because you're giving of yourself and your time. Sometimes it's opening up your pocketbook and just giving back because you love the Lord Jesus. You love what's going on. This is all his money. These are all his gifts. Here, take them, God. Multiply them. Encourage it. Mary begins her worship literally overwhelmed by God's grace. You see, I don't think any of us will ever, ever worship with all of our hearts and all of our minds and all of our soul. Unless we understand God's grace. Isn't it fun to hang around with someone just new to faith? When finally God opens their eyes and they say, Whoa, do you believe God loves me? This is like unbelievable. You know what kind of a creep I've been? Do you know what my past looks like? And God says, I love you. He went to the cross. He shed his blood. Is that cool? And you're looking at him going like, yeah, that cool. It's kind of fun. Yeah, okay. And they're going like, well, how come you don't talk about this more? How come this isn't... And all of a sudden, you know, you're going like, you know what, I, I don't remember some of this stuff. I mean, I'm going through the motions. I come to church every Sunday because even when it snows a lot, because I'm not supposed to come to church. Doesn't, like, everybody supposed to come to church. And besides, you know, we have a bake sale and there's a vote today, so I'm sure I got to come to church for some really good reason. Well, yeah, but there's an opportunity, I think, for each of us, just as we understand who God is, as, as we remember, as we're reminded, as We see how good God is, how wonderful God is. And Mary is going to be shouting this stuff. This 14-year-old girl is overwhelmed with her God and and His mercy. And she's just going to spill it out. 
There's no audience around. No one says that she was with Elizabeth or anyone else. She is just talking to God. And let's look. Verse 47. We'll just read through about 49 for this first part. Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One is holy, and he has done great things for me. You know, central to worship is praise. We started off our call to worship today focusing in Psalm 100. Enter his gates with thanksgiving into, our enter is, is gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Mary starts off, oh my soul exalts, it praises the Lord. And again, this is in a present tense, which she is saying, how I rejoice in God every day, every moment. And tomorrow, I rejoice again. And the next day, I rejoice again. And I'm just going to keep rejoicing because I am so overwhelmed. This is amazing. And then she says, how my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. As I mentioned last week, many of us come from different backgrounds. And some of our backgrounds, we look at Mary just a little bit differently and, and almost begin worshiping her and praying to her in a way that, uh, well, God just honestly never intended that to happen. One of the things that Mary knew is we understand, and even as she begins this worship, is that, whoa. She needs a Savior. What you may not understand is that all the way throughout the Old Testament, God is referred to as Savior. We think of Jesus, New Testament, we hear all this kind of... But realistically, God, all the way through the Old Testament. And Isaiah 43, one of my favorite passages, the prophet Isaiah is repeating who God is. And God's talking, he says this. Starting at verse 11, going through verse 14. I, yes, I am the Lord, and there is no other Savior. First, I predicted your rescue, Israel. Then I saved you and proclaimed it to the world. No foreign God has ever done this. You are witnesses that I am the only God, says the Lord. From eternity to eternity, I am God. No one can snatch anyone out of my hand. No one can undo what I have done. This is what the Lord says your Redeemer or Rescuer or Savior, the Holy One of Israel. You know, I think what's so amazing about Mary is that Mary really knew who she was. I'm sure a pretty sharp 14-year-old. But the truth was, again, is that Mary was messed up without her God. And she needed a Savior. And she was so grateful to be walking with God and being in God's plan and to have someone that would rescue her or redeem her. She says, God took notice of a lowly bond slave. Again, probably not words that would come out of our mouths. 
I, I just got to be honest, okay? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, and I'm not just talking about, you know, you beating yourself up. She saw herself clearly. And by the way, the Apostle Paul actually takes her language. This is the very first time that um, anybody refers to themselves as a doulas or a bond slave. In this case, a female bond slave. And then she said, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. She knew these scriptures. In Isaiah 57, just a little bit later in verse 15, the high and the lofty one who lives in eternity, the holy one says this, I live in a high and a holy place with those spirits who are contrite and humble. I restore the crushed spirit of the humble and revive the courage of those with repentive hearts. She said this, for the mighty one has done great things for me. In Psalm 126, verse 3, the scriptures use that exact same term. The Lord has done mighty things for you, Israel. Mary understood grace. And she started her worship, praising God for, well, looking at this lowly servant having a relationship, overwhelmed by God's love and kindness. Then what Mary does, which is so very, very familiar in the Hebrew culture, is that her praise focuses literally on who God is. All right? Starting at uh, the end of verse 49 and, and just reading through 55, this is just Mary unrehearsed, just spitting out, Who God is to her. Some of this theology goes deep, folks. It really does. This is hardly a 14-year-old that just is casual about God. For the Mighty One is holy, and He has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear Him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and the haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful, for he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. He starts off, or she starts off, talking about El Shaddai. I think that term is very familiar to some of you. But El Shaddai was the name that God gave himself that emphasized his power. He would often use, such as in Exodus chapter 6, verse 3, that I appeared to Abraham, and I appeared to Isaac, and I appeared to Jacob as El Shaddai. She says that her God is holy. In Isaiah 6, 3, many of you again recall Isaiah's vision. But Isaiah came before God and he's sharing how this experience was. And he was just so overwhelmed. He felt so unclean. He fell to the ground. And he just shouted out, holy Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The only thing that could just come from his words after seeing God in a vision. 
God is merciful and faithful to those who fear him. All the way through the Old Testament, again, this is an allusion to Yahweh's unchanging character of his covenant devotion, of his mercy to those who believe. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9, but I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. You know, there's a little part at the end of this just phrase that said, to all who fear him. I'm not sure how many of you have spent some time just thinking about fearing God. You see, we all have had earthly parents and and dads. Some of them have not been around. Some of them have been really wonderful models I mean, one of the privileges parents have is to be able to model what it means to listen to God with all of their hearts. We fail a whole lot. We do. We don't often mirror God well. But the truth is, is as you look at this, one of the things that the scriptures are so very, very clear about is the fear of God. You know, some of you know, but... um, one of the things I, I love to do is literally read through the whole scriptures every year. I've spent time with a couple different guys groups just kind of walking through the scriptures like this. And as we read through the scriptures, we just kind of ask questions. And I remember uh, as clear as it was yesterday, which isn't always the case, but about three years ago, one of my guys groups, his name was Rich. And we were reading a section through the Old Testament, and he just looked at the other three guys, and he just said, do you guys fear God? (laughs) Of course we fear God. What what do you think? This is a dumb question. Like, you know, I'm I'm a pastor for one thing. Yeah, I, I like excel in fearing God. I don't know what all you other guys do, but fear God, whoa, I'm way up there on the charts. And he just looked, and he goes, no, 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 I don't want that bad answer. I'm, I'm just asking you. Do you fear God? And I am telling you, if there is one question over the last three years for me personally, it's thinking about fearing God. Because as I went through some scriptures then, not only the ones that we are at, in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12, and now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? Whoa, this is a great text. I mean, especially for the simple-minded. Whoa, me! I could say, hey, God, what, what do you expect from me? Come on, man. A lot of things go... Oh. A lot of things going on. What do you expect from me? What, what, what is it? Well, what does the Lord God require of you? He requires only that you fear the Lord. And live in a way that pleases him and love him and serve him with all of your heart and soul. Proverbs 1.7, the wisest man in all the planet. Way wiser than any of us. Now I know some of you are going, yeah, but Solomon, he just kind of, you know, he was pretty wise, but he didn't like follow like one thing he ever wrote down. You know what I mean? He was kind of like, hey, I'm not saying he practiced what he preached. I'm saying he was wise and knew what to write down. This is what he says. In fact, the rest of them all come from Solomon. Verse, uh, uh, chapter 1, verse 7 of Proverbs. Fear the Lord 
I'm sorry, fear of the Lord is foundation of true wisdom, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Chapter 14, verse 27, fear of the Lord is life-giving fountain. It offers escape from the snares of death. You know, I, I, you know life-giving, I like life-giving, I don't know what a life-giving fountain is. I'm not sure anybody knows what a life-giving fountain is, but that sounds like you get life from this fountain, you know? Simple. It's saying, hey, if I want to experience abundant living, I, I better, I'll start here. Fear. Fear of God. Uh, chapter 19, verse 23. Fear of God leads to life. Whoa, whoa. Again, I, simple. Leads to life. So if I fear, uh, I, I like life. Life's cool. I want that. I want to experience life. Fear of God. And then Ecclesiastes, if you've ever read Ecclesiastes, my, my, it's one of the most depressing books you've ever read in your whole life. Okay? I mean, don't read it if you're, like, discouraged already. Read it at one of the high moments in life. And, and he, you know, Solomon goes through everything. He goes, you want life? Oh, maybe relationships. That'll get, no, that doesn't do it. Maybe wealth. That'll, oh, no, no, that doesn't do it. Hey, maybe if you're really, really smart. Nah, no, that doesn't bring life either. Maybe if you have the, and he goes through everything. And then finally, at the end, at the very end, like, read the back the last verse first. That, that would be good. And he says this. The, that's the whole story. Life you cannot find in anything other than... Oh, here it comes. Here's my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands. That's everybody's duty. Wow. Why is this fear of God so important? It's everywhere. Fear God. Learn to respect him. The greater you fear God, the better you get to know him. You realize he's a God of his word. He's a God of his promises. That you can count on God. That God is not fly by night. That even if you don't understand your circumstances or your journeys or any of those things, say, you know what, I'm going to trust God. And one of the things that Mary had say, this is like the hardest thing I've ever had to do or will do. But I fear you, God. I respect you, God. I know you so well. I am going to obey you. Wow. He has done mighty things. She knew the Old Testament. She saw how the Old Testament described God's power to act. He has scattered the proud and the haughty and sent them away with empty hands. You can go through it from Pharaoh to the Canaanite kings to Nebuchadnezzar. And just, I mean, all the way through the scriptures, God honored the obedient. He exalted the humble and cares for them. He has helped them and been merciful, especially to Israel. He has made this promise to our ancestors. She knew the Abrahamic covenant. If you don't know that term, you can look up in Genesis chapter 12, where basically God met with Abraham and says, I am going to bless the sacks off of you. I am going to take care of you. 
I will bless you and make you famous and make you a blessing to others. Wow. What would life be if our perspective of God grew more accurate every single day? Because as I wrap up, one of the things that is critical to enjoying abundant life is that worship naturally flows out of a relationship. Adoration and praise just leak out if you are connected to God. We looked at a rich offering of praise from Mary. It's remarkable for its theology, and for the use of the Old Testament. This young girl, like all the other people at this moment, didn't have scriptures. But she knew scriptures. It settled in her heart, and, she was, and it was rattling on her mind. When she opened her mouth, this just flowed. Whoa. Wouldn't that be cool for the church today if, if young people were so connected with God, all of our 14-year-olds so biblically literate, and just every time they just opened their mouth and just kind of leaked praise and worship. What about us? Yeah, it would be great for 14-year-olds. It wouldn't. What about us? Say, Rick, I am so far from that. I, I mean, I, I could read this scripture and maybe some of those things might, might come out. But I just like know about four stories in the Old Testament. I, I, they're pretty good stories, but I don't know God that much. And you know, life's really busy. It, it's really busy. I got a lot of stuff going on. You don't know. My kids are young. My kids are old. I don't have any kids. And you're always really busy. Okay? And my job, and my wife, and my. Oh boy. The truth is, if we want to experience life that's amazing and full and abundant, we're going to need to spend time with our God and to sit at His feet and to listen to Him. And so all of a sudden, the scripture doesn't become a rule book or commandments, it becomes a love letter. And our praise when we praise, whether it's in the shower, whether it's in the car, whether it's here, is all of a sudden an overflow of what God is doing. You're just so grateful. Overwhelmed by His grace and grateful for how big God is and that He's in control. Aren't you so grateful that God's in control of our world? Ah, it's just amazing. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you that this young lady knew you and loved you and spent time with you. She had maybe the hardest assignment that any 14-year-old girl could ever get. And her response was this humble young lady. And, and, And not only that, okay, I'll do it, God, but I'll do it. And the worship that just flowed, that just overwhelmed her. 
Oh God, would we grow in our relationship with you? Would this be something, again, God, that isn't so forced, it just happens? We are so grateful, God, that you loved us. We are so grateful that you showed it by sending your Son. And we are so grateful and overwhelmed by your grace and your mercy. Lord, during this Advent season, would would we not take it casually? Would we, God, learn from our young friend who lived thousands of years ago? In Jesus' name, amen. At this time, we would just like you to take a few minutes and to think and to ask God a question. And the question is, God, what what do you want me to do? I heard your word today. Are there, some, are there some things I need to change in my life? Are there some areas that I need to repent, dear God? Are there some scenarios, God, that, that you want to deal with in my life? You know, you received a bulletin coming in, and on the very edge of the bulletin, there's a, a place for especially you newer folks, if you'd like to fill that out, I'd, I'd love to give you a call and just see how you're doing and... Uh, how your your journey's going. And and it, for others, maybe you want to tear that off and you want to put down some prayer requests or, or you want to share with us some things that, that you might want to help in in your journey. But in just a little bit, the offering plates are going to go by and you can just put that tear off right in there. But for the next few minutes, let's be quiet. And let's just listen to God before we enter the hectic lobby area.